I want to place something before you today. And what I want to place for you, before you is the struggle to not just find God, but to meet with him, to meet with him personally, to be intimate with him. And the struggle's kind of like this. You imagine yourself, you're at a well. And at the bottom of this well, this well's about 20 feet down. And at the bottom of this well is water like you have never drank before. It's water that satisfies the deep desires of your soul. This is what the Bible calls living water. To jump in is in a sense to jump into eternity. But here's the struggle. The well is 20 feet down. And you know if you jump in, you can't get back out. You are stuck There's no backing away from it. You are risking when you take the jump in. And that's what it feels like to become a Christian. And once you risk it all and you jump in, here's what happens. The world, in a sense, spins upside down and you jump in, then finding yourself coming up for air and you have come up in paradise. You have found the opening into heaven and you have jumped in and now all of your deep desires are finally being quenched because you're at the place that you are meant to be. You found the opening, but here's the thing. You don't jump you don't risk it all, you never experience it. And you know what? Here's the thing. Once you're a Christian, to grow as a Christian feels very similar to that. The risk of jumping in, because there are areas of your life where you want to keep God out of, and he's saying, risk every area of your life on me and jump in in every area of your life. And so my hope today is that it looks like we're like a, believers and skeptics alike that we are jumping in like this doing these swan dives all together into this big deep well that we know we're never going to get out of but if we will jump in all the deep desires of our soul will finally be quenched. We've been walking through our series called The Death of Death through the Gospel of John. We're about a year and a, almost we're we're almost a year and a half in. And Where we arrive today is in John 19, we arrive where Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's hanging there. He's been suffering, he's been tortured, and now he's hanging upon the cross. And here's what it says. But but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he had loved, he's talking about John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head, and he gave up his spirit. Now Jesus says here, I thirst. But he's getting at something that's far greater than his physical thirst. He's talking about a spiritual thirst, and here's how we know that. 
all through, Jesus has been being tortured. He's been being struck, nails through his arm, put upon the cross, hanging there. And all throughout this, he has not complained once about the physical pain that he's going through. But now all of a sudden, we hear him say, I thirst. Why is he saying that? Because he's talking about something spiritual. This is about a spiritual thirst. And if you say, okay, well, why would Jesus, he's the son of God, why in the world would Jesus be thirsting for God? I mean, if he's the son of God, he has this relationship with the father, why is he thirsty? And if you are asking that question, I say, well done, you are learning how to read the Bible, and the answer to this question is what will make us drop to our knees and finally worship God the way we're meant to worship him. But before we answer that question, we've got to talk about what the Bible means by thirst. So thirst in the Bible is a metaphor for when what happens when God is not at the center of your life, when you aren't with him. I mean, really with him. So Psalm 42 says, as a deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, O God. When can I go and meet with God? The psalmist has lost God in a sense. And he is so spiritually thirsty for him. He has discovered what so many people miss, what so many people miss, that God alone is who will satisfy us. You can have everything in the world. Listen, listen, listen. You can have everything in the world, but still feel empty if you do not have struggle is we don't really believe that that is true. And you, can, you will always feel empty until you've put him at the center of your life. So if you, if you like Tootsie Pops, I don't know why you wouldn't like Tootsie Pops, but if you like Tootsie Pops, you know that at the center is the best part. So you, you lick and lick and lick until you get to the center. Now, this is the same. As we're trying to, fi- to find our happiness, eventually when we get to the center, what we find is the only thing that would make us happy is God. So we have found the root of happiness. But here's the problem. It's not until that we take then the root of happiness, who is God, and put him at the center of our life that to, until we become happy. Because if he is not at the center, we will remain longing. We will know that something is still missing. So we're searching for joy, for satisfaction, for peace, rest, love, and meaning. And that search will not stop until we find him, but then we take him and we must place him at the center. And if you don't, you're still going to long for him. In other words, it's not enough to find God. You've got to put him at the center of your life, and you can't just get to the root of happiness, who is God, you've got to put him at the center. So you must rearrange everything. That's the thing about God. Everything must be rearranged about him. And if he, if he isn't at your center, then you're trying to meet with him and know him when he's outside of the center, and that's an artificial knowledge of him. He's not, you cannot discover God the way he's meant to be discovered until he is right there at the center of your life. Otherwise, what happens is you're experiencing him in a false way. 
You're like, God, I want to experience you, but I don't want you at the center. So what ends up happening is we get frustrated with God because we're not getting everything we want from him. But the reason we're not getting everything we want from him, and I don't mean physical wants, I mean spiritual wants, the longing to be with him. The reason is because we're not experiencing him is because there's something else at our center. And then we get frustrated at him and we get mad at him and we run away from him while the whole while he never was being experienced the way he was meant to be experienced false version of him. It's like trying to know a piano without playing it. So you look at a piano and you're like, I'm going to understand this piano just by looking at it. You can't learn it that way. You can't know the piano that way. You've got to rearrange your life around the piano and do what the piano is forcing you to do, which is to sit down in front of it and play the keys. You can't know a piano any other way but by doing that. It's the same way with God. You've got to place him in his proper place in order to know him, in order to experience him the way he's meant to be experienced. Let me say it this way. You don't just need to believe in God. You just, you also need him. We need to meet with him and know him personally. And the problem, the problem that Christians have is they believe in God. But we struggle to put him at the center. We say, oh, of course I'm a Christian, but we're still thirsting for something because we aren't going to him, or no one has taught us to go to him like we're meant to go to him, to go to him, make him the prize, make him the treasure, and until he's the center of your life, here's what happens. You will burn for him. So I've heard that being burned is some of the worst pain you can experience, But I've also heard, too, that when someone is dying of thirst, it feels like on the inside, like their insides of them are being burned. They are literally burning inside for something to quench this burn, which is water. That's what's happening to David. He is burning up on the inside for God longing for him, longing to be quenched by him. His soul is panting for water. So how do you get then to him to have this fire inside of you quenched? You have to jump in the well. Remember earlier, the well is something you have to jump into, but we're all reluctant to do it because it's risky, because it requires everything from us. It looks like you won't ever get out of there. But if you don't jump, you're never going to find what you're looking for. So, do you feel dissatisfaction in your life? Jump in the well. Do you feel like you're longing for meaning and purpose and value? You've got to jump in the well. Do you feel like you're searching for happiness and you're not finding it and you're going from career to career or lover to lover or friendship to friendship or you're like, I just got to get out of the city and then I'm going to be happy or I just got to get these new clothes and then I'm going to be happy or whatever else it is is just going to make me happy if I could just get this and it's never seeming to work. You got to jump in the well. Perhaps belief has not matured into a relationship with God. See, here's the thing. Don't miss this. Even demons believe in God. There's a belief 
that says, oh, yes, of course, I believe that there's a God, but the person never actually finds intimacy with God, knowledge of God, this relationship with God. And it's all because they haven't yet jumped in. And perhaps in this moment right now, you've been thinking, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and now you're realizing, oh, I don't know if I've actually really jumped in. What's stopping you? Or some of you, some of you have been Christians and you've been growing and growing and growing and then all of a sudden you plateaued or you plateaued and then you started doing this and you're wondering what's going on and here's what's likely happening. There's an area of your life where God wants you to jump in fully. He wants to be the center of your life. He wants you to go all in with him, but you don't want to do it because you know that if you do, he's going to rearrange your life. You know you're not going to get that area of your life back, and so you hold back and you say, ah, I'm just going to wait, I'm just going to wait, I'm just going to wait, and that's why you've plateaued, or that is why you're feeling like your relationship with God is going like this. See, here's what's happening. You are missing out on God and you're missing out on God because you're scared that you're going to miss out on something else that's far lesser than God. And so you go to that thing that's far lesser to God, worried that you're going to miss out on that, but it's causing you to miss out on the only thing that will finally satisfy the deep longing and thirst of your soul, who is God himself. So what is stopping you from jumping in? And the answer to that question the answer to that question is probably where you're going to be satisfied, to have your thirst quenched. You've probably made that your center. Here's what you've discovered. The whole reason why you're not going all in with God, why you're not jumping in, that thing has become dead water to you that you keep going back to over and over and over again. What do I mean by dead water? Well, in John 4, Jesus is at this well, and this woman comes And he says to her, if you will come to me, I will be a well to you. And I will give you living water that wells up into eternal life. It's living water. Dead water, listen, listen, listen. Dead water is anything you go to like it's living water that isn't God. It's like going to anything like you are meant to go to God. It's going to something other than God like it's going to give you living water, but all it does is keep giving you dead water over and over again. Have you ever had something in your life that you, were, you, just, you thought would be productive or you thought would be meaningful, and in the end you realize it was a complete waste of your time? That's what dead water is like. So it's like this. You, you, can, think of this, you can think of this boy who's in school, and the whole school year... He's like, man, I can't wait until summer. Summer's here now. I can't wait until summer, and I'm going to build this sweet tree fort, sweet tree house. And so he plans all year towards the end of the year, and summer hits, and he gets to work. And he says, I'm going to be so determined to get this tree fort done. I'm going to work on it all summer so that I have at least the last two weeks of summer to just enjoy this tree fort. I'm going to invite all my friends, and it's going to be awesome. And the, the, the last nail goes in to end the day, and he says, ah, I cannot wait until the morning. He's longing for the morning to come. And then he's awakened in the morning by the sound of a loud engine and this beep sound. He's beeping. So he runs out to see what it is, 
It's this big bulldozer that is backing off of this trailer, and he watches as the bulldozer prepares to clear this lot where his tree fort is because there's a new house that's going in, and he watches as this tree that he's worked for all summer, all summer for just this tree fort to be done, and he watches it hit the ground, and all of his striving leads to loss, and all of his hope leads to emptiness. And that is what it feels like when we go to dead water. Eventually, we will feel what this boy felt as he saw his tree fall to the ground, only it's far worse than that. Here's what's happening. We're at the well, and we got to jump in, but it feels risky because it's way too deep, and we know we're not getting out, so here's what we say. I'll find some different water. So we go to the ocean, but the ocean water is salty. We can't drink that. Or we go to the pond, and we go to a pond to drink from the pond, but the pond has all this bacteria in it and all this stuff, and it's not good for us to drink. So if you've ever watched the show Naked and Afraid, you never, you never heard, thought you would hear that at church on Sunday. If you've ever seen this show, you'll know that people get very thirsty, and what they'll do is they'll find some water and they'll drink from the water. And at first, the water is... It quenches their thirst. But then something sets in. There's a bacteria there or something, and it starts wreaking havoc on them. At first, they felt quenched, but then in the end, it wreaks havoc on their insides. The water promises something that in the end gives you something harmful. It cannot deliver. Many Many of us are drinking this dead water and wondering why our, why our life feels like this boy over and over again who sees this tree just hit the ground and our life feels like we're just experiencing that over and over and over again. And it's likely that what we're doing is we're not going, jumping all in because we're going to other dead waters that never seem to deliver for us, never seem to satisfy us, but we're going to them because they feel less risky. And we're trying them out. We keep trying them and trying them because we're not ready to take the plunge dead water. Or you're at this well, and you're like, oh, should I jump? But then you see this mirage far off. So you're like, oh, I'm going to the mirage. So you take off running. It just feels like the mirage. You just keep on running, and you're striving, and you're striving, and you just can't seem to arrive at the mirage until you finally realize, ah, this is a mirage. I've been tricked. There's only sand here. And that's what it feels like when we're like, okay, I got to go meet with God. I got to be with him, and I'm going to strive through my good works, through my great effort, so God knows that I'm trying. And yet we never arrive at God because we're relying on ourselves to get to him, and that's not how it goes. We just simply give everything up, and we say, God, I am all in with you. It was dead water. So, okay, let me just get, let me get more practical here. So anything, what are dead waters? It can be anything that's good that turns out to be a trick. It offers something it can't give you. It claims to give you the good life, but it only gives you loss and emptiness and pain. What do you love more than God? I know we would never say it out loud. If you believe that there's a God, you're like, oh, should I say this? I don't know. What, just, just tell yourself. Just answer the question for yourself. Honestly, what do you love more than God? I mean, what you love, you spend your time with. What you love, you spend energy on. What do you love more than God? 
Whatever that thing is, that is the dead water that you keep going to over and over and over again. Now listen, dead waters could be good things. These could be good things, but what we've done is we've made them ultimate things, and by doing that, they're draining life out of us. This could be your image, your bank account, or even something good like making a difference in the world and saying, oh, if I could just make a difference, I'm going to feel good about myself. Yet, we have made that living water that can never satisfy us because only God can. Or ask, answer these questions. Where do you go when you just need to escape? What do you do? What do you do when you're alone? What do you do when no one's looking? What do you do when you feel sad, when you feel bored, the answer to these questions are, are potentially exposing another dead water that you're going to. And even your family and career, if you place those as your great loves, they become dead waters. They're good things that you've made ultimate things, and so what ends up happening is you're going to them like you're meant to go to God, and they can never give you what you long for. We all, or hmm, our desire for comfort, now, our area, this is like, this is the thing for our area. We love comfort. And we look at this well that is way down there. The water's way down, and we say, oh, that does not look comfortable. I will not be doing that. And so we go to look for more comfortable waters when the only water that will actually give us the comfort that we long for is down in the depths. We've got to take that swan dive in. Otherwise, we'll always feel like we're chasing comfort, never to find it. You have a craving that only God can quench, but you try to quench it with other things. All right, I want to quote an old dead guy. They're the best to quote. Sometimes they're hard to understand. This guy's name is Blaise Pascal, and here's what he says. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim, but that there once was, there was once in man a true happiness, that we had it, we had a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. In other words, we had a happiness, happiness. We had this trace of happiness, but it's gone. But there's the imprint that we once were happy. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, dead waters. Seeking in things that are not there, the help he cannot find in those things that are. Okay, that's super hard to understand. Again, he's an old dead guy. This is how they talk. And then he says, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with the infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. Basically what he's saying is there's this big void within us all. And it's infinite. And that is the craving in us that longs for God. And what we do is we try to put temporary things in this infinite abyss, and we wonder why we're not happy. And the reason is because we're not filled. Because the only thing that could fill our deep desires and longings is an infinite God because we have an infinite hole in us that is meant for only an infinite God. Do you see this? But we keep going to these dead waters over and over and over again, and then we yell at God like, God, why am I not happy? He's like, because you're settling. See, even if you're a Christian, there's areas of your life where you are keeping God out. Which means you're not letting him fully in this infinite abyss inside of you. And so then you're wondering why you're not happy. It's because you're not giving yourself fully over to him. He 
you either take the jump every single day, because that's what it feels like. I mean, there's one big jump to become a Christian, but then every single day we've got these smaller jumps to jump all in with God. And what happens is we stop making that jump day after day after day, and then we're wondering, where's God? And we're not jumping in. So what we need to be happy and content and satisfied to find rest and comfort is God himself. Nothing will fix the void of our soul but him. Okay? But listen, if it is not bad enough that we don't want to take this risk, I want to tell you that there's an even greater problem. It's taking a turn for the worse, and it becomes like a nightmare. See, the reason we're scared to take this jump in, like we look down and we say, ah, oh, I'm scared to do this. I know I'm not going to get out of this. The reason we're scared is because we're scared we're going to lose ourselves. And that's exactly what Christianity keeps saying all over, over and over and over again, is you are going to lose yourself. That's the way you find Christ. It's the way you find God, is you say, I've come to the end of myself. I'm ready to lose myself. And when you say you've come to the end of yourself, you've come to the beginning of Christ, and then it is him who takes you and makes you more and more and more into who you're made to become. But you've got to lose yourself in order to find yourself, because by, by losing yourself, you find Christ, and then he makes you into who you're made to become. Okay, so that's the hard, that's hard part. Now I want to tell you this thing that, that's impossible. The nightmare of what's going on. See, this problem turns into a nightmare because we finally say, okay, I am going to risk it all. I'm going to jump in. And we walk up to the well only to find that the well is barred. We can't make the jump. We finally got to the point to where we said, I'm going to jump in. And we find now that we can't. We finally say, God, I finally really want you. Like, I want to do this. I want you, God. And we go to him, and we can't get through. We can't get to him. Why are we barred? Here's the question. Have we waited too long? Are we unworthy? Is Christianity a lie? Here's why we're barred. Because of our past, present, and future sins. They're keeping us, our sins, our sins, our sins, are keeping us from the only thing that will finally satisfy us, God. Cut off. Our sins have barred us from him. So are we imprisoned forever in a world that only makes us burn on the inside for God, though we never have that burning desire quenched? Is that our eternity? No. No. So, okay, the, the question is, are you ready for this? So look what Jesus says on the cross. He says, I thirst. Remember, this is not a physical thirst. His physical thirst is simply a painting of what is going on inside of his soul. But why? Why is the Son of God thirsting? Because hasn't he known the Father perfectly. Because listen, here's the, th- here's the thing with Jesus. He's humbled himself. He's become obedient to the point of becoming this human. He's lost all the resources of being God. So any relationship that he has with God, any pursuing he has with God, he's tapping into the same resources that we already have. But listen, listen to what's happening. 
He has perfectly said, there's the well, I'm jumping in. And I'm jumping in every single day, in every year of my life, over and over and over again. And he has never once sinned. Not one time. Yet, on the cross, he says, I thirst. I'm longing. If he has, he has every right to have access to the Father completely, perfectly. Yet, he says on the cross, I thirst. Why? Because he has traded places with you. His well is open. Yet he goes to our well instead. And he looks down and he clenches the bars and he shouts, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's spiritually thirsty for the Father, but he can't get to him because he has traded places with us. His our, the nightmare that is true for us has now become true for him, so it's not true for us. He screams in the terror of his soul, bar, hands gripping the bars. He grips, he's crying out to his father, yet hears nothing because he has traded places with us so that we can go to his open well, jump in and experience the loving embrace of his father who is now our father. His father who becomes our father. Complete loss for him equals our complete gain. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered once for sin the righteous for the unrighteous, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we, that he might bring us to God. Don't you see this? We get to go to God because he suffered in our place. Listen, we get to go to God because he suffered in our place. Doesn't that make you want to jump in? Doesn't that make you see, like, say, like, what is holding me back from him? I'm going in. Why would I wait? And then Christ rose from the grave. But you know what? I don't even really, I don't want to resolve that right now. I just want us to feel the weight of what he has done for us. Somehow, he experienced an eternity of the hell of shouting, crying out to be with his father, shouting with his hands gripping the bars for his father, never to feel, never to hear anything back for an eternity. Somehow he felt an eternity of that hell on the cross so that we don't have to. An eternity of this burning inside, this burning desire for his father, yet hearing nothing full weight of hell on the cross. A nightmare that he couldn't wake up from. He took it from you and for you. Embrace that truth and jump in. And you will have 
the desires of your soul quenched. Finally, feeling the satisfaction you long for. Jump in for the first time. Jump in daily. Stop settling for lesser gods, lesser pleasures, lesser delights, because nothing will satisfy you like him. Stop settling for a dead water. And go to the only one who can quench the fire that is burning in your soul. And one of the best ways to declare, I'm jumping in. One of the best ways to just, just uh, like express this response of you wanting to jump in is through communion. And here's why. Because when his body is broken, when, the, the, with communion, you say, ah, oh, his body is broken, his blood is shed. When his body is broken, what you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing the picture of him trading places with you, going to the cross. You're seeing his body, like, in a way, being broken because he's gripping. He's gripping the bars, and he's shaking the bars as hard as he can, and it's not opening up. His body's being broken because he's trying to get to the Father, but it's not happening. And then his blood is being shed. And by his blood being shed, I mean, he's gripping the bars, and he's pulling on them, and his blood is being shed because he's traded places with us. His blood is shed so that ours never has to be. So we don't have the bars there. We just get to jump right in. And every step that you take towards the bread and the cup is a step towards him. It's a way of jumping in. And you think of this void that's within us, this infinite void. When Jesus says, he says the bread of life, what he's saying is the only one that's going to finally fill the void, the belly inside of you that's void, that's needed for this eternal God is by you eating of me. What he's saying is put your faith in me, eat of me, and I will fill the void that's within you. It's a beautiful display of God's people saying, I'm jumping in. So that's what we're going to do today. I want to pray, and then we're going to do that. So, and and when, as we do this, by the way, as we're taking communion together, um, this, this is meant to fill us with him. Our void is being filled with him. But at the same time, this truth now comes into us, and then we walk out, and we take this truth out into the world. So it's not just for us. It's for us right now so that then we can take it out into the world. Guys, there needs to be a burning inside of us knowing that there are people who do not know this truth. And this truth is beautiful. It's not like we're like, you got to know this truth. We're like, we want you to know this truth. Let's say this. We're going to take the summer. And we're going to say, man, if I could just bring one person with me that I just so long to know this truth. Look, this, this truth of Jesus Christ coming for you is not meant to just be hidden, but it's meant to be shared. And it's meant to say, come and see what he has done for me and what he has done for you. So communion, while it is very personal and is very intimate between you and God, it is also something that says you have been filled so that you can now go and fill others. You have been fed, so you can go and feed others. All right, let me pray. Father, don't let this truth escape from us. Plant it deep in the depths of our soul so that we 
we see it there sprouting new life within us that comes out of us, that we become this grove, these trees that become a grove that is, that is spreading out all over our city and the surrounding cities so that we might see people take and eat the fruit of life that is offered in you. God, we pray that every step we take to communion would be a step towards the well of us finally jumping in for the first time or us jumping in again today renewed. God, we pray that this would be deeply intimate and personal for us in our relationship with you, but then also together that we would experience you as one body and then even beyond that, that we would take this truth out into the world so that the world might know that this is real, that you are not some concept or some idea, but you are a God who intimately wants to be involved in our lives. And God, I just pray, I just ask that this summer that this summer would be a summer not where we're like, oh, like, ah, God, yes, break. And, and we just kind of lose sight of you, God. But this would be a summer where we become more, more enamored by you, more encapsulated by the beauty of the truth of who you are. And we would take this truth and we'd spread it out to the places around us, like our neighborhoods and our friendship groups, our workplaces. God, give us a passion for you, a passion for your glory, because we know that your glory, beauty, and worth is the greatest thing to be found. So meet with us now, God. And we, we say, God, we're sorry that we have gone to dead waters, that we've sought to satisfy the deep void in us with dead waters when we should be going to you, God. We, saw, we are sorry for that, and we want to stop doing it, so show us why we should stop. And teach us what it is like to jump in. God, I pray that your spirit would be here. Showing us the glory and beauty and the worth of Jesus Christ. And we would see how deep the Father's love is for us. That he would send his only son to give his life for us. He would take those of us who are in prison, wretches like us, and that he would rip open the gate that's keeping us out so we could jump in so that he goes to our gate and doesn't get to jump in. We show us, God, that this is true for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.